um, it's a pleasure to be here today and welcome if you're uh, from across the sea. Uh, I, I'm going to speak quite briefly about our impact preparations uh, here at King's in the School of Arts and Humanities, just to give those of you who are not at King's uh, um, a sense of what that means. We have something like 17 departments who were in 10 units of assessments with approximately 300 submitted staff for uh, the REF uh, last year. Uh, <coughs> so, uh, as uh, you'll all know, uh, we've just submitted uh, the first uh, impact assessment for the REF, uh, and obviously we'll find out at the end of the year uh, how we've done. Um, <coughs> Uh, in this uh, cycle uh, of research assessment, 20% uh, of the total assessment uh, uh, is, 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 is going to be attributed to the impact assessment. So it's actually uh, a fifth of the total outcome. So people have been taking it, obviously, uh, extremely seriously. Uh, and alongside 65% for research outputs and 15% for the research environment. So actually impact is actually uh, going to be scoring more than the actual research environment uh, in terms of uh, the ref quality prof profiles that are going to be coming out uh, next year, <coughs> or rather the end of this year. Uh, just to give you a sense of what, it, what was needed by the units for their impact uh, submission, uh, each unit of assessment uh, had to produce uh, an impact template, which is a fairly small document uh, in which uh, each unit outlines its approach to impact during the last cycle, uh, and in particular then has to go on uh, and reflect on that and then uh, develop its strategy for the next cycle in terms of maximising the non-academic impacts of the academic work that's taking place within the remit of that unit. Uh, so every unit of assessment now which is just submitted for REF has an impact strategy for the next cycle. Okay, so this has now been embedded uh, uh, by Hefke into the practice uh, of uh, all staff who submit for REF alongside uh, uh, a research strategy in the research environment. Uh, so impact is now officially embedded, I think. Uh, and as well as the, uh, the impact template, each uh, unit of assessment had to submit a number of case studies, individual case studies, uh, which are, if you like, stories of the impact of the research of scholars uh, who produced that research within the remit of that unit of assessment. Okay. So one of the, one of the key things about impact is that for a unit to claim the impact uh, of an individual, the research had to take place at that institution. So you can't buy in impact. You can't buy an impact. You can't buy an impact, impactful people uh, and then expect simply to use their impact uh, because the research itself has to have taken place at the, at the, uh, uh, at the institution. The number of case studies depends upon the size of the unit. So the large unit, units like history would have submitted uh, five uh, case studies. Smaller units uh, like music would have submitted two, two, two case studies. Uh, so approximately it works out at around about one case study for every eight submitted staff member. Okay, so, um, so, that's, so that's sort of roughly where we are at the moment and that's the expectations. And so obviously now departments are already trying to think about what their case studies are going to be uh, for 2020 and make sure they've got enough and crucially now uh, are going to be spending the five years uh, developing the impact as effectively as possible uh, because uh, I think we know what we're doing much more now uh, and how to do it and we know what good case studies look like in a way that I don't think we really did before. Uh, <clears throat> so this is something that now is, has become I think uh, sort of embedded in departments and quite quickly and rapidly and, and, and it's here. Uh, just to go over the, uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the specifics of what impact means from 
Hefke's perspective. It, we may hear that the research councils have a slightly different take on things, but this is the, the Hefke uh, definition of impact, which was in their assessment framework, uh, which they published, um, which is, was sort of the REF Bible, which had all the, the rules of the REF in. Uh, so for the purposes of REF, impact is defined as an effect on change or benefit to the ec economy, society, culture, public policy, or services, health, environment, quality of life beyond academia. It includes, and this is crucial, it's not limited to. They were really sort of being expansive and encouraging us, I think, to define what impact was in this first assessment. It includes an effect on change or benefit to activity, attitude, awareness, behavior, capacity, opportunity, performance, policy, practice, process, or understanding of an audience, beneficiary, community, constituency, organization, or individuals in any geographic location, whether locally, regionally, nationally, or internationally. So we've been really invited to, I think, be creative about what uh, impact looks like. And I think crucially for humanities in particular, note that it, it includes effects on awareness and uh, 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 attitudes as well, okay? uh, which was very helpful for humanities, I think. Also includes, and this is particularly crucial, I suppose, if you're a scientist, the reduction or prevention of harm, risk, cost, or other negative effects. So stopping bad stuff as well as causing good stuff is impact. One of the crucial and controversial issues around impact in this assessment was impact on education. Uh, uh, but Hefke has been quite explicit, first of all, that research, uh, research or the advancement of academic knowledge within higher education is definitely excluded. That belongs to the research environment and to the research outputs. Impacts on your own students in your own institution are definitely excluded. However, if you have impacts within the higher edu edu education which includes teaching or teaching or effects on students, this can be included if it extends significantly beyond uh, the submitting higher education institution. And again, this was, I think, uh, helpful for arts and humanities. We had some case studies where some research has now, uh, has really changed the nature of higher education and how, and how it's taught uh, internationally, so way beyond the, the local institution, in which case you can make the case that that will count as impact. <coughs> The panel D guidance was the guidance that was issued by the, uh, the panel responsible for the units, uh, in w uh, for, uh, for, the, for the panel in which the Arts and Humanities units uh, uh, made their submission. Uh, and the panel D guidance was extremely helpful in unpacking what impact meant. Uh, and I think it really encouraged the Arts and Humanities uh, units to think creatively about exactly you know, what kind of impact humanities works has. Uh, which is sort of, I think, really helpful because I think we sort of wanted to take part in creating the story of what impact in the, in the humanities really is, rather than simply having that someone tell, tell us that. Uh, and the penalty guidance uh, gave us seven areas where they expected uh, non-academic impact to lie in. One was the area of, area of civil society. I'll, I'll send these slides to Lucy, who will be able to, I'm sure, send them to you. One was cultural life. One was economic prosperity. One was education, one was policy making, one was public discourse, and one was public services. Now, I have to say we didn't really have anything in public services. Uh, I don't think we really did very much with economic prosperity. 
but we certainly had case studies uh, in the other areas, civil society, cultural life, education, public discourse, and to some extent policy making. And I'll talk a little bit more about that at the end and, and, and uh, uh, say a few things about that. Uh, but I would say, and perhaps not surprisingly, that uh, most of our case studies were, were in the areas of civil society, cultural life, public discourse, with a few education and some interesting policy making cases as well. But uh, as I say, I'll mention those at the end, given the uh, uh, nature of the, this particular course. Uh, so, so that was a sort of, uh, if you like, a sort of uh, a way of uh, thinking about the kinds of uh, impact that the panel was expecting. And I think, you know, generally we, we fell within those categories. But as I say, it was always made very clear that we shouldn't be limited by uh, this guidance. It was purely guidance and we were encouraged to tell the story of impact of our research so long as it met the particular uh, definition that you saw earlier which, as you saw, was quite, uh, quite broad. Uh, this is just uh, a list of our impact case studies across the school. Again, I'll, I'll put these on the slides, and, and, uh, but it gives you, I think, a sense of the breadth of uh, the case studies uh, that we had. Uh, if you take modern languages, for example, uh, there's one on the work uh, <coughs> in creating an environment uh, for the education and you know, public knowledge about German language cinema to develop. Uh, we had some work on uh, Islamophobia, which did get into areas uh, of uh, thinking about policy and so forth a little bit. Uh, we had uh, Mexican poetry on tour. Uh, we had um, uh, a database of Spanish-American theatre, which has had implications for working with the uh, theatrical professionals and uh, the rise of an official politics which is on uh, work into uh, the uh, French National Front and, and, and uh, uh, the impact that's had in terms of uh, uh, encouraging uh, anti-fascist campaigners or helping anti-fascist -camp anti campaigners uh, in the UK. Uh, and I think uh, each unit sort of uh, had a fairly rich selection of case studies. History, which may be of interest to some of you, uh, we had the Church of, Engl uh, of England in history case study. Doomsday was a case study. Uh, David Carpenter's Fine Roles was a case study. Uh, Happy Families was the history and policy uh, case study, uh, which you may have heard about already, the, the work uh, in embedding uh, history and how the Department of Education thinks about uh, making policy. Uh, and a, a Trostum case study as well on uh, preventing uh, li infectious uh, livestock disease. Uh, classics, philosophy, uh, some of the units where we thought it might have been really hard, like classics and philosophy, did manage to find case studies. Uh, TRS uh, had some outstanding case studies, music, film studies, and CMCI and DDH in unit 36. So we had a very interesting, I think, range of uh, case studies. Uh, uh, and what I would say is that, in general, the school really wanted to take full advantage of the opportunity to shape the impact agenda through this process to tell the real story of the impact of our research which would meet the criteria but which wasn't, particular, wasn't necessarily determined by them. Uh, and we think that was following the spirit of panel D guidance and what we heard from the, the chair of the panel who was uh, encouraging us to really think about what our impact was and not uh, feel that we simply have to tick the, uh, the criteria and so forth. So we wanted to tell sort of, if you like, real stories about uh, our research. Uh, I would say that, uh, in general, it was you know, the really excellent academic research which tended to have the most non-academic impact. 
Hefke uh, has a rule which says that the underpinning research of a case study has to be at least two star. Uh, uh, but in fact, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure that you know the the the, re the research that was the underpinning research that underpins these case studies is amongst the best research uh, in the school. So it, it seems to be the case that uh, excellent research probably produces uh, the most impact outside of academia. Not unexpectedly, senior academics. Uh, possibly seem to have most impact, although there were lots of examples of mid-career impact and also some uh, amazing uh, ECR uh, impact too. Uh, but we do think that there's an urgent need uh, for us to make sure that uh, sort of impact thinking is embedded amongst early career researchers now and not simply to rely on uh, our senior professors, of whom we have, of course, many at King's. Uh, now, and just a few words about policy, and we'll probably discuss this more. Uh, uh, we had very few examples of, of, of any, I would say, direct policy impact in, in arts and humanities. Uh, and I think, of course, that does lead to an opportunity for those researchers uh, to sort of step in that area. And if they can uh, uh, bring that about, that would be fantastic. Uh, uh, but I think our case studies do nevertheless uh, uh, sort of have, have impact in the policy area. But I think, obviously, that's possibly more complex than uh, we were initially expecting to see, uh, and often involved changes, changing ways of thinking, whether that's the thinking of politicians, diplomats, civil servants, uh, uh, or anyone, uh, non, uh, people involved in, in uh, non-governmental organizations uh, uh, as well. We had a, a, a theology case study uh, which had worked with um, uh, uh, and in a worldwide charity for uh, and, and, and had made them think about different ways of developing foster care for children. Uh, so uh, I would say that uh, our case studies showed that policy impact in arts and humanities is, is, is complex. Uh, the, the, the role of arts and humanities uh, is complex, possibly more so than you would get in, in social sciences. Uh, uh, and therefore it's important to think about what the research does and what the pathways to impact are and hopefully this, this current round of, of case studies have, has, has taken us forward a little bit in that uh, respect.